So good. It's good to be in God's house. And I'm so thankful that we are privileged today to be able to open God's Word and study this together. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take some notes today. God has given me a word. This is our final sermon in the Storms series. And I want you to, uh, I want you to glean the word that God has given today. God has sent his word with an assignment. God has something that he wants to say to you and something that he wants to do in your life. That's the power of the word of God. And so I want you up on the edge of your seat in anticipation, and I want you to receive what the Lord has to say to you today. Genesis chapter 9, verse number 8, then God spoke to Noah. God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him and said, and as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living, living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus, I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, which includes us. I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be that when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for this opportunity that we have in your house to worship, to praise you, and to learn of you. Speak to us today, God. Let your word, God, accomplish what you have sent it to accomplish. We give you thanks for this today. We give you praise for this today. We pray it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Anya, I'm going to switch to the handheld, if you don't mind. Yes. Today I'm going to conclude our series on storms. I hope this has been a blessing to you. It has been a blessing to me. And it has been an on-time word for us as a church. We've learned so much about the stormy seasons of life. We've learned that everybody has stormy seasons. Everybody has seasons of storms. No matter who you are, no matter if you're a son of God or a daughter of God, a child of God, we are not exempt from stormy seasons. The stormy seasons come to everybody. 
What are we going to do? What will we learn through the stormy season? Will we give up hope? Will we start doubting? Will we let fear take over our faith? Or will we trust? And will we grow? This is a time for us to grow. How many would say you've grown a lot since March of last year? Maybe we've grown in more ways than one. <laughs> but I want to encourage you today, storms don't last forever. And stormy seasons come to go. With Jonah, we saw how God used the storm to reroute him to his mission. In Mark chapter 4, we saw Jesus speaking peace to the storm and getting his disciples to the other side. In Matthew chapter 14, we learned that there are opportunities in the storm. Remember, Peter got out of the boat and walked on water. There are miracles that could happen in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a stormy season. And in Paul's storm in Acts 27, it taught us that even a mistake, God can work a miracle and the mistake becomes the mission. This morning, I don't want us to look at the storm per se. This morning, we're going to look at what happens after the storm. I've entitled this message, After the Storm. We would all like it if God would just prevent the storm from coming in the first place. But storms come to all of us. Rain comes to all of us. That's exactly what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45. Look at this. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. Noah's particular storm, by the way, was a rainstorm. Unlike any that had ever happened before and unlike any that has ever happened since. Let me take you back to your Sunday school days, perhaps. How many days and nights did it rain? For 40 days and 40 nights, it rained. It rained, it rained, it rained. And this was all part of God's plan. Why did God send the rain? Well, God sent the rain, this particular rainstorm, because of sin. Sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, here it is, here's the moment. She took the fruit, and ate it. This is the turning point in Scripture. Sin entered the world. But she didn't want to sin by herself. That's no fun. <laughs> Come on, Adam. you got to help me with this. you got to taste this. She shared it with her husband, gave some to her husband, and he ate as well. Sin entered at this moment in history. And it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. 
Sin is like cancer. It has to be removed or it will grow. If there's sin in your life, hear me today. Let me get out of my notes before I hardly get in my notes. If there's sin in your life, it has to be removed. We can't sin and just move forward from it. Sin needs to be removed. And how do we how does how is sin removed in our life today? By simply asking the forgiver of sin, God the Father. Jesus when he was on the cross, he asked the Father to forgive those. Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. Sadly, we know what we're doing many times and we just keep on doing it. But we can't continue to sin and expect the blessing of God. We're human and so we're prone to sin. That's not an excuse to sin. I'm just telling you, if you happen to fall into sin or you choose sinful behaviors or even patterns, it must be forgiven. And so ask. 1 John 1, 9 tells us, if we ask, He will forgive us. He is faithful to forgive us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. I think there's somebody even right now, you need to do that. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I am going to preach this message. We're early on. I got lots of time, but I want to take care of this. I, I just sense the Holy Spirit dealing with somebody. You'd say, Pastor, this is me the Holy Spirit's talking to. Just lift your hand. Let me pray for you right where you are. I've got sin in my life, and it needs to be removed. I'm not asking you to come forward. I just want to know who's the Holy Spirit's dealing with. There's several people. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, lift your hand and put it right back down. Don't let pride keep you from having a cleansing of the Holy Spirit, a cleansing from the Father. Thank you. Yes. Yes. If we confess our sin, let's stick with what the Bible teaches. I can't confess any sin for you. You must do that yourself. Confess your sin right where you are. Father, I have sinned and I need to be forgiven. Forgive me of my sin and remove the stain. Remove the guilt. Wash me. Cleanse me. And help me not to continue in sin. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Amen. And if you need to do that again tomorrow, do me a favor. Just do it again tomorrow. Every day, if you happen to stumble into sin, hopefully we're growing and we're learning the snares of the enemy. You know, he has no new tricks up his sleeve. He just uses the ones that work really well. He doesn't have to come up with new tricks up his sleeve. He knows us. He knows me. He knows you. Hopefully we're growing in God. And we're saying, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to step around that, that snare. I know that that's a snare of the enemy. 
No temptation has overtaken you. My God, I might preach this and I might preach something else. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to everybody else. But God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also provide a way of escape that you will be able to stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Hallelujah. Every temptation that comes your way, Jesus was tempted the same way, yet he was without sin. And he has an escape hatch for you. He has an escape route for me. We just can't give in. Resist the devil and guess what he has to do? Resist the devil. That means you got to dig in and hold on for a little bit. Resist him and he has to back off and he has to flee from you. He has to back off from you. Mm. Sin entered the world. Sin continued to grow. Let me show you this. Genesis 6, 5 and 6. Bring that up for me. The Lord, saw, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. It just continued to escalate. It entered and it escalated. Every intention of the thoughts of the, the humans were only evil all the time. And the Lord, how, what a sad scripture right here. You see this? Verse 6, the Lord regretted that he even made man. How sad. Sin entered, sin escalated, sin had to be eradicated. Genesis 6, 7, and 8. So the Lord said, I'll just blot man out. I'll just take him out. Wow. I'm sorry that I made man. But, whew, Noah found grace. Noah found favor in God's eyes. In a world of wickedness, here's a man that says, I'm going to live what I'm going to live right. In a world of wickedness, La Palma Christian Center, we can live right. Living right means you're living righteous. We've been called to righteous living. God would never call us to something that we couldn't attain. That would be cruel. If he called us to be holy, we can be holy. If he called us to live righteous, we can live righteous. But we're going to need help. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you need a little help. <laughs> we all need some help, Stacy. God knew that, and so he sent us help. He sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So here we have a different kind of storm that we're going to look at. Actually, we're not even looking at the storm today. We're going to look at what happened after the storm. God spoke to Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah found favor in, in the eyes of God. And God spoke to Noah and gave him a plan of redemption. Noah obeyed the Lord. 
He built an ark. He gathered the animals. He gathered his own family. He actually opened it up to anybody else, but nobody else would come in. Nobody else would listen to him. They thought he was crazy. He'd been working on this ark for so many years. This is just a crazy man. But even when people think you're crazy, if God's told you to do something, just keep swinging the hammer. Come on, somebody. He got on board when God said, get on board, even though it wasn't raining yet. God doesn't always have to explain why he's asking us to do something, does he? We just need to hear the voice of God and we need to obey when God speaks. God closed the door himself. And sure enough, the rain came and the rain came and the rain came day after day after day, week after week. Forty days and nights it rained. The people are crying out, open the door, open the door. Now we believe you. Well, it's too late. The door has been closed. It rains for 40 days and 40 nights and finally the rain stops. They open the window and, ah, no more rain. Isn't that great? But that doesn't mean that they're pulling up to shore. They're floating on this water for months, over a year. Over a year, they're in this storm, even though the, even though the rain is gone. The fallout of the storm. The residual effects of the storm. I hope somebody gets this today. What happens after the storm? This is what I want to talk to you about. This is what I want you to take home. After the storm, God sends a rainbow. The rainbow serves as a sign. It's a sign of new beginnings. And really, I think the rainbow is a, it's just a sign of God. Because God took his finger and painted that rainbow himself. It didn't just appear. God caused the rainbow to appear. So the next time you see a rainbow, I want you to remember these three things about God. A rainbow is going to serve to remind us of God and who God is. And three, these three important aspects of God. The rainbow reminds us, first of all, of God's patience. God's patience. There's an old limerick that says, patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman and never in a man. I don't know about never, but if we're honest today, we would all admit that patience is an elusive virtue. Tony Campalo tells a story of a father, young father, shopping with a fussy two-year-old in his grocery cart. Be patient, Billy, he whispers. You can handle this, Billy. Just be patient. A nearby woman overheard his reassuring words and she said, I don't mean to be nosy. I don't mean to interrupt your shopping. But I just had to tell you how wonderfully loving and patient you are with little Billy. 
And the man replied, actually, my son's name is Patrick. I'm Billy. My name is, is Billy. There's, there were so many times as a young father of three, I had to be patient, especially if Karen was gone. Whew. Tanner's sister, <laughs> she had a baby yesterday. Yesterday? She had a baby Friday. It's been two days, Elliot knows this. And her sister asked if Tanner could be with her for the delivery and for the whole well, it's been two days, if she would just stay with her for two days. And so Elliot had to venture out on his own as a young father with a, how, how old is he, five months old? Five-month-old baby. Just be patient. God said, every time I see the rainbow, every time I see the rainbow, watch that. Look at that in the scripture. Not every time you see it. I mean, we'll be reminded, but God says every time I see it, I'm going to be reminded that I still have to be patient with you. Because you deserve to be destroyed again, if I can just be honest with you. I mean, just look throughout history. We tend to get it wrong and then do it again. And repeat the pattern. The rainbow reminds us God's being patient. Patient with humanity. How many would just say, thank you, God? <laughs> thank you, God. As humans, we just tend to get it wrong a lot. And we repeat the wrong patterns. But God is patient. In Peter's day, people were growing impatient awaiting the return of the Lord. They lived as though the Lord would return any day and certainly in their lifetime. I don't think that's a bad way to live. Live as though the Lord could return any day. Live as though certainly the Lord's going to return in your lifetime. If He doesn't, that's up to God. But at least we're ready at any moment because at any moment a trumpet could still sound. At any moment the sky could split open. At any moment the Lord could descend and return and catch us up to be with Him in the clouds. At any moment, live your life as though today could be that day. Live your life as though at least in your lifetime the Lord is going to return. That's what Peter is uh, dealing with in his second letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. Knowing this, first of all, the scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as though as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of the water and through water by the word of God. And that by, by means of these, the world, was then, the world that then existed was deluged with water and it perished. 
but by the same word, the heavens and earth are not, that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this fact. Get this. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years, that's just like one day with God. I love verse number nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The next time you see a rainbow, Thank God that he's patient with humanity. Thank God that he's patient with you. He's patient with humanity, but I'm thankful God is patient with me. Because I need a lot of patience. You just ask my wife. You ask the people who are close to me. Just be patient with me. I can still have a short fuse, right? I'm just, you know, I'm just like you. He's working on me too. And I'm so thankful for the patience of God in my life. I found that this is um, very common, actually. I think of the Apostle Paul. You, know, you can look at this later. It's in Romans chapter 7. It won't come up on the screen today. But even the Apostle Paul, he needed the patience of God in his life. He talks about the things I want to do. Uh, sometimes I don't end up doing those things. The things I don't want to do, the things I know I shouldn't do, sometimes I end up doing those things. God, thank you for your patience with me. Look at verse number 9 again. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slow, slowness. He is patient. Toward you. How many are thankful today that God is patient in your life? The rainbow reminds us of God's patience. The rainbow reminds us also of God's promises. You know, God made a, a pinky promise, if you will, with Noah. That's what Karen would do with Elliot when he was little. He'd throw out that pinky. She had to pinky promise him. She'd promise him the Lord wasn't coming. Well, boy, that was risky, but. I mean, it was, a, it was a promise on a different level, in other words. That's kind of what we're talking about here. This is what we're looking at here. God's making a, a promise on another level. It's a covenant. He makes a covenant. With Noah, a covenant, it's a formal agreement between two parties. A formal agreement between two parties. This part, these, these two parties, it's God and Noah. Now, this particular covenant goes beyond just these two parties, however, because the covenant was for Noah and his entire family and his future generations perpetual generations, so it also includes us. It's a covenant, a formal agreement between two parties. It is binding and cannot be breached or broken. Binding, binding words cannot be breached, cannot be 
broken. What is his promise? What is this covenant? God promises he will never again destroy the earth by floodwaters. Now, 2 Peter lets us know that there is some destruction coming and it will be by fire and that's at the judgment. But never again will God destroy the earth by floodwaters. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Back to our text, chapter 9 of Genesis, verse number 11. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Isaiah actually mentions this covenant. Isaiah 54, verse 7. For a brief moment, get this, for a brief moment I deserted you. But with great compassion, I will gather you in overflowing anger. For a moment, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me. As I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and I will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace. Get this. It will not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. I love that Isaiah mentions this covenant and he really leans into a few aspects of God in this covenant. He highlights two important aspects of God's character. God's love. How many believe that God loves you? I'm here to tell you, certainly, God loves you. God loves you. Isaiah says this a couple of times. Everlasting love in verse number 8. A steadfast love. So an everlasting, that means it doesn't end. This is the kind of love that God has for each and every one of us. Here in this room and there at home. God loves you. It's a love that will not end no matter what we go through, no matter what we face. And it's steadfast. It endures. He also talks about God's compassion. In verse number seven. For a brief moment. I deserted you or so it seemed. But with great compassion. I will gather you. I'm thankful today for the promises of God. This rainbow will remind you, when you see a rainbow, it will remind you of the promise God made to Noah. But I hope that it serves to remind you of the many promises that God makes to all of us. And God's promises are certain. God's promises are true. And God will always keep His promises. Thank you, Lord, for your promises today. This rainbow, after the storm, a sign. It reminds us of God, His patience, His promises. And finally, let me close this message. God's peace.
God's peace. I hope every time that we see a rainbow, we're reminded of God's peace. The storm is over. The storm is over. Ah, that's what we want, isn't it? We want the storm to be over. Peace to come. Forty days, forty nights, finally they can open the windows. Even though they're floating, the rainstorm was over. And God was teaching them month after month to trust Him. We'll be in March just another couple weeks. And a whole year will have transpired in this pandemic. Whoever would have thought we would be in a pandemic mode for a year. I remember us talking about a few weeks, you know, we can adjust and we'll, we'll do a, a, an online service for a few weeks and turned into a few months and we're putting up tents and taking down tents and just doing everything. Who would have thought? None of us would have thought. Needing a season of peace. God is the God of peace. The storm is over. The 40 days and nights of rain are over. The months of floating out on the open seas is over. The wind and waves and water crashing in on our boats, that's over. The season of doubt and despair is over. The shipwrecked and snake-bit season is over. The stormy season is over. And now, a season of peace. A season of productivity. It's time for new beginnings. I want you to write that down. Mm. I believe that, church. You're going to hear me talk about this a lot. New beginnings. Restructuring some things. One of the first things that God spoke to Noah after he got off the ark. Let me see. Chapter 9, verse number 1. God blessed Noah and his family, and he told them, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. This is what happens after the storm. A season of fruitfulness, a season of multiplication. I can't wait to see what God births in some people through this stormy season. Do you know that God was planting seeds in you this whole time? It takes a while for the birthing process, doesn't it? How many months along are you, Butler Ray? You're five months along? getting a little belly right there. 
look at this. God, God, this is God's doing. I mean, Josh was involved, but this is God's doing. It's God's big plan. The seed is planted, but it takes, it takes time for what God has planted to grow and germinate, form. Can't wait to see what God births in you. What comes out as a result of the stormy season? The ark finally set aground on Mount Mount Ararat, Turkey. God opened the door and they were allowed to come off the ark. It's time for a new beginning. It's time to start over. I walked through the mall the other day and so many stores didn't make it. The storm took them out. But then there's something new coming. Coming soon. Something new. Coming soon. Family night. It's exciting. It's going to be awesome. It's a birthing. After the storm, you sent a sign. You sent the rainbow. And this rainbow, Lord, was a sign of your, your covenant, your promise with Noah. But it would be an ongoing sign to his generations followed him and in fact even to us today a sign of your patience of your promises a sign of your peace Lord seal your word in our hearts today we give you thanks and praise we pray it in Jesus name to our family who is viewing online our friends who are viewing online thank you we're excited for the day that you can come back I hope it's soon the CDC continues to tell us that the numbers continue to improve, come down. Schools are talking about reopening. I'd love to see you back here as soon as possible. We're going to do everything that we can to make sure that this is a safe environment for you. We're going to stay physically distant and keep our mask on, do all that we can. But we're praying for you. We miss you. We look forward to seeing you again real soon. God bless you.